The text for our sermon this morning comes from the second reading, the reading for Pentecost Sunday, uh, in Acts chapter 2, as they hear in their own language, their own tongues, the end of verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At Pentecost, God fulfilled his promise to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, so that we would know that our sins are forgiven and that God is faithful. God has a familiar faithfulness for us. Let us not let that familiarity breed contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt, we are told. A saying that too often describes Pentecost for the church. The lesson for us to contemplate on this day of Pentecost is that God is so faithful. God is so regular. God is so often teaching us by his word, showing us his reliability. But because of our sinful nature, we become bored. We repay God's familiarity with us with contempt towards his word and towards each other. And it isn't just on Pentecost, but our sinful flesh seems, likes to rebel against God's faithfulness. There are many people who think the day of Pentecost was just some super special, unexpected event. That as you heard from our Acts reading, when the Holy Spirit came to those gathered on that day, many times we're tempted to think that this was some super spiritual activity. Now, in some regards, it was a unique event. Pentecost only happened once. Like Christmas Day or Easter Sunday, Pentecost is a one-time event that has a lasting impact on us. Pentecost isn't something that we try to replicate in regards to speaking in many different languages or perhaps some heavenly language that sounds like gibberish. I know from experience, many a student the day before an English exam or a foreign language test prays that they might have a Pentecost moment, but I have yet to hear of a second Pentecost miracle. Pentecost, like Easter and Christmas, it's about God's faithfulness. And in that way, it's not that unique. In that way, it is again our familiar God doing familiar things, being faithful in what he promises to do. And that which he does for us is good. In fact, it's the best. Familiarity breeds contempt. The more time you spend around someone or something, the less you appreciate it. Or you might even begin to despise a person or a thing. Last year's Christmas presents, best friends after spending some time together can become enemies. Husbands and wives, familiarity can breed contempt. 
This was the case with God's people so very often, even the people that he chose to be his own. God chose the Israelites. He chose them to bring the Messiah to the world. He gave them promise after promise, festival after festival, high feast after high feast. They were chosen through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God's familiarity to the people. Over and over again, he promised them. Each generation telling the same stories, passing from mother to child, father to son. The familiar promises of God. The sacrifices all became too familiar for the people. The sacrifices from Leviticus, from Moses, every year the same thing over and over again. Familiarity on a mass level. But the familiarity that God gave wasn't to breed contempt. It was to show God's faithfulness. It was to show that God is reliable. That God is with us by his promises. God's familiarity with us shows that he will not give us up. That's where we find ourselves in our reading from Acts 2. Familiarity had bred contempt. The disciples are in Jerusalem for one of those familiar feasts. One of the high feasts, the Feast of Weeks. This was established by God in Exodus. It was reinforced in Leviticus and even in Deuteronomy it was taught a second time. The Feast of Weeks was one of these three great feasts where all Jews were supposed to pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And when they went there, they brought the first of their wheat harvests, where they were to go and sacrifice their first and best wheat to God. God commanded his people to give this sacrifice. Why would God do that? God, this is our best This is our first harvest. We don't know if we're going to have another. We don't know if weather or insects or bugs or enemies will come and destroy our feast. Why do you want our first? We should put that in savings. But no, God commanded his people to give the first of their harvest to show them that they can trust him. That he is more reliable than the growing seasons of the earth. God is more reliable, more familiar than the movements of the planets. Season after season, harvest after harvest, but this familiarity in God's people bred contempt. The Feast of Weeks, this is exactly 50 days after Passover. That's why the name Pentecost. That's why it says the people were gathered in Jerusalem for Penta, 50, cost 50 days. God then changed this Old Testament feast to a new feast, a fulfillment, his familiarity, to show his faithfulness, to send the Holy Spirit the helper for those who believed and trusted that Jesus to be the Son of God in the flesh. But some were not prepared. Some were not prepared for the faithfulness of God that was displayed on this new Pentecost. 
Because Jesus, he preached, he gave them promise, a familiar thing of God. He promised to send a helper because he would not be with them in the same way. To send the Holy Spirit who would be an advocate, someone to go alongside of you. A comforter, someone to give you comfort in the face of your sins. That he would send a teacher to lead us into all truth. These are the names that were made familiar by Jesus to all those who would listen to his word. But as you hear, on that day there were people who had contempt for the fulfilling of this promise. There were people who had contempt for those who began to speak in languages they had never learned. But the greatest miracle of that day was not was not that they learned foreign languages. The greatest miracle that day was what they were saying. First, notice that the Holy Spirit taught the disciples of Jesus how to speak in foreign languages. Surely we're familiar with the idea of speaking in tongues. If you've been flipping through the television late at night someday and you stumble upon a Pentecostal evangelist, you've heard some of this gibberish language. It isn't knowable by anybody. Pentecostal churches claim that speaking in tongues means some sort of heavenly language. The churches that claim to speak in these sorts of unknowable tongues, they have contempt for the regular things of God. They have contempt for God's word being plain and understandable. They have contempt for the sacraments, so they look for a God experience in some sort of gibberish. They think they are super Christian because they can speak, they claim, in some heavenly tongue. But if you were paying attention, that's not what happened on the first Pentecost. If you were paying attention, you heard Everyone standing around heard their own language. They could understand the disciples, and that's what they didn't like. Sure, they were all amazed at the miracle of the languages, but the true miracle was what they were preaching, the mighty works of God. And just as, like today, people do not like to hear the gospel, they do not like to hear the words repent, so also that day. People were hearing the mighty works of God, his faithfulness, his familiarity, his mercy, the forgiveness of sins being given to sinners, eternal life being granted, the mighty works of God they were speaking Those were the events of Jesus' death and resurrection that took place 50 days earlier. And what was their response? What was their response to, again, the familiarity of God's faithfulness? Contempt. These people are drunk, they said. Those standing around understood the words of the disciples that they were talking about Jesus. And it is just those, it's just that those standing around didn't want to hear about God's work. But Peter, immediately, he says, no. 
Peter says, if you were familiar with God's word from Joel, you would know that this is exactly what God is doing. He is fulfilling the promises he's made to his people. And even though Pentecost was just one day, the Holy Spirit, we are told, continues to work, continues to proclaim the mighty works of God among us. God again being faithful, giving the Holy Spirit, giving new life, giving forgiveness, God doing all the work just as he did on that first Pentecost. But do we receive it with contempt? Don't let the familiarity of God's word, God's faithfulness, move you to contempt. Don't have contempt for your baptism. Your baptism, a singular day like Pentecost that has an eternal lasting effect on you. Your baptism where the mighty works of God were poured out on you personally. Not a tongue of fire, but a flood of forgiveness. Even though we too often, too often the devil in our flesh leads us to have contempt for God's word. If you think about it, I, I don't think it's because we're too familiar with God's word, but I think it's a lack of familiarity. You see, when it comes to God's word and the things of God, it's the opposite. A lack of familiarity breeds contempt. Our sinful flesh becomes bored with God's word. We want to be familiar with other things. We want to be familiar with money, with fun times, and always, always amusing ourselves. I don't think I'm speaking just for myself when I say we're too familiar with sin. That familiarity breeds contempt for God and for each other. And that's why this saying rings so true in society. That's why when you say familiarity breeds contempt, you'll get an acknowledging nod from everyone standing around because we're too familiar with sin. And God, what about his familiarity? Does God know how familiar we are with sin? Well, yes, indeed he does. But today on Pentecost, remember how faithful God is. Even on that day of Pentecost, God knew the people would reject his mighty works, but he still sent the Holy Spirit. So too for you, do not let contempt rule your life, but turn from it. Repent and consider the mighty works of God for you. God does not breed contempt for you. He is familiar with you. The psalmist writes, he knows my inmost parts. God knows your thoughts, your words and deeds, and yet... In his kindness and mercy, he does not have contempt for you. He does not disdain you. He wants to save you. 
He desires to forgive you. He desires you to know the depth of his forgiveness more and more. God desires you to be familiar with him because you see the neat and wonderful thing about God is that the more you know him, the less contempt you will have for him. Sure, our sinful nature breeds contempt, but the antidote to that is repentance, which is just another word for faith and trust. Confess, receive the forgiveness, receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Receive from God, not contempt, but healing. Don't let familiarity breed contempt for God's word. Don't let familiarity breed contempt for each other. Because just as getting to know God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, it breeds joy and peace, so also getting to know each other better, it will only breed joy and unity in Christ. But only if we're doing it with pure hearts and from a place of love and joy. If the Holy Spirit binds us together in Christ, contempt will only be the result if you despise Christ. Familiarity will breed contempt if you're already feeding your flesh. Familiarity will breed contempt if you are already not making yourself available to the Holy Spirit if you are not familiar with God's word. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. We heard it today. Peter pointing the people back to God's word in Joel. Hearing the word of God, receiving the blessed sacrament of the altar. These familiar things, along with faith, which believes these familiar promises of God, what does that breed? It breeds precisely what the Holy Spirit promises to give. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Or would you rather be a contemptible person? It's very easy to breed contempt in relationships. Avoid God's word. Don't repent. Feed your pride, but the Holy Spirit does not breed contempt. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he became the object of contempt, the object of scorn. Many of God's own people chose the fruit of unbelief and doubt. They became so hard to the Holy Spirit, they would rather crucify the Son of God. Even then, in the crucifixion of Jesus Jesus didn't breed contempt. The crucifixion of Jesus did not breed contempt of God for us, but forgiveness of all your sins. Your sins, what does that breed? From God, our sin deserves punishment, but he has mercy. The cross of Jesus Christ breeds mercy and forgiveness, and that's what he still has for you today. Yes, it's a familiar word. Yes, it's familiar sacrament and familiar people. 
But don't let that familiarity tempt you to scorn. Jesus gives forgiveness, not contempt, but faithfulness. Familiarity with Jesus' forgiveness breeds not contempt, but content. In his forgiveness, we find we can be content. But being content is such an understatement, isn't it? He gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives a joy that cannot be taken away. He gives eternal life so that with St. Paul, we can say, I have learned to be content in all things. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.